welcome to Spirited Conversations. I'm your host, Terry Kennedy. Over the years, friends, family, colleagues, and sometimes complete strangers have shared personal stories with me of encounters with departed loved ones or with unknown entities that couldn't be explained away. These stories have always intrigued me, both personally as a person of faith and professionally as a researcher. Through this podcast, I seek to share and honor these experiences. My guest for this episode of Spirited Conversations is Jody. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We reconnected when I posted the Spirited Conversations site on Facebook. You responded, one of the first people, and said, <laughs> I have a story that I could share, and I so appreciate that. As I recall, you have been dealing with some health-related matters, and something related to that sparked your interest in this topic. So I wonder if you could just talk about that a little bit. Definitely. What caught my eye most was that over the past few months, I've been doing a lot of research on how I've had some healing that has needed to happen with my parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. And long story short, it brought me back to reflecting back to when I was about five or six years old. And I'm very much a practical person. Like I, I want to know why something happens. I want to know the A, B, and C, like connect me through it. I take the emotion out of something. I want to work through the process and then I take it from there. And so I wanted to know how did this happen? How did my body come to where it is now? Were there any patterns I overlooked? Something like that. And I remember always being told by my parents that I was always over-emotional. I was too emotional. I was quick to cry or I was quick to be upset. I would stare off into the distance sometimes. And when I was thinking back to this, I'm like, oh, hmm, okay, that's interesting. And then I thought about the first time that I was, I believe, in the presence of something that I cannot explain. And it was when I was six years old and we were living in a, a country farmhouse in a tiny little town in Ohio. And it was winter and it was nighttime and I was in bed. And from my bed, I could look out the window to my right side. And I heard like this clomping like Clydesdale horses clomping. And logically I knew, okay, there's not horses in the neighborhood, but I heard it. And then I saw what I believe I saw was a shadow of a stagecoach coming along and it followed along the street. I saw the shadow through my window and I heard the clomping keep going. And I explained this to my parents the next morning and they're like, oh, you were dreaming. Oh, it's, you know, just like, oh, okay. And so a couple years pass, we move across the country and I have another 
experience. And this time it was in Winnemucca, Nevada. And uh, my father fought forest fires. He was based at the forest fire station there. And it's a tiny little town. It's near a couple of uh, reservations. And in those circumstances in that town, I did not see anything like I did when I was smaller, but that's when I started getting these heavy feelings in my body where I felt like there was a presence with me, but it wasn't scary. It wasn't like, oh, you know, I had someone pass away and now they're with me. It, it was just the fact that I felt like something was around me and that I was safe, but I was very tuned into it. And that happened anytime I would go ride my bike. It would happen anytime I was home alone. And then that passed. In high school, a very good friend of mine was killed in a car accident. And about a few weeks after the accident, I wanted to go to the accident site. And it was on a very curvy road. This is when we lived in Los Angeles. My family moved around a lot. And that's what's kind of interesting to me too, is that we lived in different parts of the country, different types of houses, different types of towns, but I was still having these very real experiences. And so I drove out to the accident site. And as I was driving, I knew I was almost there because it was up on a curve. And for some reason, I turned the car and stopped. And I don't know why I was, I don't know why I didn't make it to the actual site. And so that's when it kicked up again of like this really heavy, not sad, but heavy presence. I don't know if it was my friend. I don't know, but it wasn't normal. And so it's, I have these patterns of every few years, I have these very heavy presence, feelings, all of this. So that leads to now when I'm looking back at what symptoms are part of your, your um, nervous system and, and the para and the sympathetic and what I have learned and what my you know, care team has taught me too is that if you have a certain time of, of trauma in your life, and in my case, that was a, a key factor. Some people live in a constant fight or flight. And it's just constant, constant, constant. Your body never comes down from it. And so as I'm learning more about this and I'm asked, you know, answering more questions to my care provider, it all makes sense. But then when I saw what you were working on, Terry, that, okay, that answers the research component side to a point, you know, my nervous system's out of whack. Okay, we can work on that. Hormones and are out of whack because constantly being at that heightened state. Okay, but how do you explain away these very specific points in time where I felt 
something out of the ordinary. And it's just, it's so fascinating to me. I recently moved to Cleveland and we have a 1927 colonial house. And I was like absolutely prepared, like, okay, these feelings are going to start coming back again. This house is primed for it, you know, and I, I haven't had anything. And I, I don't know if it's because I'm looking for it too hard or if I want it because it's a familiar, like, oh, okay, I, I get this. But it just makes me wonder if other people have had this experience of, you know, I've heard, I've heard people say like, oh, I have an angel looking out for me, or I have a loved one who looks out for me. But there are so many circumstances that are just hard to explain away. So I'm just going to say that you and I anticipated before this call that your dog would bark and that somebody in my neighborhood would mow. As soon as you started talking, somebody started mowing. Melvin barked. <laughs> See, they just came on cue. So we'll just let it happen because that's called real life. Yes. Um, so that is just so interesting. And I think what I'm wondering about is, so when I was growing up, Star Trek was on TV. It was, yeah. and I always felt that I was an empath. And I'm wondering if that is kind of how you feel that yeah. I understand yeah. and I appreciate you helping look at the research scientific side of this and then the part that we just can't explain because I think we just don't know all there is to know we're still learning but I'm just wondering if that notion of the empathic personality feels like it fits for you I completely agree and I I appreciate that you've picked up on that and it, it is almost it's like an Achilles heel because it, it's, it can be crippling sometimes. Um, there's something that I have to practice because I'm so uh, tuned into it. I have to remind myself, especially if I'm in a crowd of people or I am in a situation where I know I'll be around certain sounds or smells, I have to do a see it, spot it, let it go. Because if I don't, I will lock in with certain people. I don't know them. I don't interact with them, but I just, there's something about them that draws me to them. And I did not realize how exhausting that was because mm. for, for years I would come home from just running to the grocery store and I would be exhausted and I didn't know why. And now that I'm learning more about this, I'm like, oh, well, no wonder I'm like, my brain is just pop, 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 pop. I don't know if you've had this happen to you, Terry, because you have the similar, a similar path with the, with the empathy and the empathic perspective, but I take stories in heavier than I think others do. Meaning if, if you share a story about a friend or an experience you have, I also, I, I hear the sounds, I smell, I see the colors and it's so intense. 
And it just, I can't turn it off. And I think this, that leads to also these experiences that I have where I feel like something is happening that I can't explain. So after high school, calmed down for a few years, I went to England and Ireland and did a backpacking trip in 2002. Sounds about right. And um, this was, yeah. Now that we're talking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of all of these other things. It all comes back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we were in a hostel in Innes, Ireland, and we had checked in late. And it was a very trying time in my young adulthood. And in the hostel, there was a rule that you were not supposed to have alcohol. So that night I had a big fight with who I was traveling with, you know, really bad stuff happening with family, just, just yucky, not good. And I went into the room the hostel room and it was, um, it was a light night. So I had a whole room to myself and there was a bunk bed set and then a regular bed. And I was starting to make some decisions that were going to be permanent. I was not happy with my life at that point. And I'm like, okay, well, I have to go back out and I have to go, you know, get something. And so I was thinking I'll go get some, some liquor or whatever. And I moved my backpack over and underneath the pillow was a full unopened bottle of gin. And it hadn't been there? Hadn't been there. Hadn't been there. And I cannot tell you to this day what made me take the bottle. I walked it downstairs. I turned it into the desk. Like, Don't know why this was in my room, but it's not mine. I don't know why, what drove me to do that. But I think that's another experience of something took over. And it's just, again, it wasn't scary. I was kind of like going along with it, you know? Again, a couple of years is calm. And then, you know, I find myself living in San Francisco and, you know, this was when things kind of shifted where my experiences weren't specifically attached to an an event or specific thing, but it was more back to, you know, walking around and feeling like I had something around me, a presence around me, a protection around me. And the neighborhood I lived in, I was uh, in the upper Castro area. And if, you know, if anyone's been to San Francisco or lives there and they're familiar, you, you know, the main market street and there's a part of market street that being a five foot tall woman, you don't walk through at night, you know, and right. it was always a shortcut for me to get home from work. And for some reason, night after night, I was totally fine walking that way totally fine. I never had a problem. I never felt scared. I never felt intimidated, but I felt like something was protecting me. And again, I don't know how to explain that. 
this protective feeling, does it feel like it's been the same kind of a presence through your yes. life? So yes. it's not like different, it, but it's coming to, to you at times when you're needing additional support? Yes. And what's interesting about that is that I did not lose a member of my family or a friend until I was 17. I was very fortunate. So it's not like I, I had someone I had lost early on and I felt them, you know, carry me through my adolescence to adulthood. So I don't know. That's the other thing that's so perplexing to me and where I have to, if I take the research component out and just the experience side of it, I don't know who it is, what it is. I would love to know. <laughs> I would love to thank whatever it is because mm -hmm. it's, you know, come in handy quite a bit, but I just, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you said that you've been kind of looking for that entity again, whatever it is, and yeah. it's like not there, yeah. but if it tends to come when things aren't going well, right. Maybe that's a good thing, but then you I think so. <laughs> it's almost like you've got a relationship with this entity. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I never looked at it that way because it is, it's like a, a friend. You mm -hmm. become very familiar with that presence. It never happens when I'm driving. It never happens when I'm traveling. Because when I was in England, Ireland, I was traveling, but I was over there for a couple months. So it was a long, long stretch. But yeah. And I've asked my son before, you know, have you ever had any experiences like this? And he has. didn't describe my experiences because I didn't want to prime the conversation because I mentioned, you know, I was, I was going to be chatting with you today and he's like, oh yeah, don't you remember when we lived in Tucson when you were in school and I kept having that one guy show up in my room and it would always scare me, but then I would say goodnight. <laughs> I'm like, didn't know about that. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. But yeah. not you know, it was just very matter of fact, but he has, he shared with me that he has some similar experiences. So how old would your son have been at that time? Three. Oh, and, yeah. and how old were you when that first time happened for you again? Six. Six. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I know it's crazy. <laughs> well, I have more questions than I have answers about all of this because this is an area that I've been curious about, but I don't know the field. I'm learning. an experience that my brother doesn't remember and I was talking to him recently I was probably in first grade and so I might have been eight or something seven or eight I don't know and 
I had a, the same dream every night for two weeks and that somebody was in my room and they were putting things under my bed. Of course, I'd wake up in the morning and there was nothing under my bed ever, but there was always this same dream over and over. Somebody came to my room. So I, I was afraid to be in my room. And so my mom said, well, why don't I get a cot and we'll, we'll have you sleep in your brother's room tonight. And that night, sound asleep, his bookshelf fell over. Oh my I mean, gosh. like out of the blue. And it was like, I was back in my own room immediately because whoever was in there wasn't as scary as what was in his room. But I just always, and I never really thought about it until I started talking to people about this podcast, you know, like somebody visiting your room and you, you don't know what to put to it, but. Exactly. Um, and I mean, he was so little. And at um, that point in his life, he had not lost mm-hmm. anyone yet. We didn't do anything like watch scary movies or scary TV shows. Mm-hmm. And he was just so matter of fact about it, yeah. which was what really caught my attention. So is there anyone else in your family who you've ever heard stories about having experiences? Yes. Oh, interesting. And I, I was, I was trying to figuring, figure out how I could throw this out there because I don't know if there's a connection or not. My father, while I don't have a relationship with my biological parents anymore, when I was younger, he shared stories with me about when he served in Vietnam and he was a Navy SEAL and he did, I believe, two tours and he was, uh, he did a lot of the work of where they would go into uh, the villages. Also, he did a lot of uh, going in and out on helicopters, a lot of stuff. He earned uh, Purple Heart. He shared stories that clearly shouldn't have been shared to a younger child because mm-hmm. what he experienced, no human should mm-hmm. have to but you could tell that it weighed on him. And in a weird, this is gonna make me sound crazy, but I feel like some of what he experienced and may have done, all of that grief and strife and the souls around that somehow transitioned to me. I know that's off the wall, but he, you know, he would explain he was in a helicopter crash and he was the only one that survived. They didn't find him for a few days. And, you know, and, and he, I remember him sharing with me, I don't know why it was me. Mm. I don't know why I was alive. I don't, I don't know but I felt like something was there with me. And I, I will always remember him saying that because that's how I explain it kind of thing. And it's just, it's, it's very, I mean, that could be a whole other separate discussion. You know, can you transfer 
that kind of, of trauma or experience to others, just like you can transition and transfer generational trauma. Can you do it through unexplained experiences? I don't know. And, and again, you know, I'm in no position to think anyone is crazy or yeah, who knows? because, <laughs> you, know? you know, I have these experiences that, you know, I don't share with everybody. Apparently I am now, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think my sense is if it feels true for you yeah, to trust that instinct, yeah, particularly because you are so empathic. And I think this is going to come up as a theme, I think, as I talk to different people, but I think we too often try to lead with our heads and we miss out on our gut. And often that's really an important message to hear. I agree. I, I think that's, yeah. uh, you can say it better. And I, you know, I think we have so much influence from, you know, media and TV and social media and the films and in this pop culture understanding of, you know, experiences that it really, it can kind of taint it a little bit. And it takes the genuine experience of what happens away from it. I don't know, the more we're talking about it, it's very comforting. I feel lucky that I've had these experiences. Yeah. And I wonder how many others have and if they're similar and if there's a pattern. And then that's that research part that comes in of right. like, where's the data on this kind right. of thing. There was a show that I caught a couple years ago about, I think it was called Psychic Kids, but it, it was talking about children who have these early experiences and how overwhelming they can be and frightening they can be. And, you know, there's this whole thing about somaticizing experiences where your body starts feeling things because you're trying to not think about it. And I pushing it out, you're actually internalizing it and causing harm. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I, I have to think just from the people who have reached out to me to tell a story or share an experience that there's a lot more of this than we probably even know. Yeah. You know? Do you think having time this past year and a half with the pandemic people have had more time to reflect like I have, like to kind of really do a deep dive on themselves. And that's interesting. There's an article that I found that I'm going to post and I'm going to ask a question about it, but it was saying that people are having more paranormal experiences. So I'm always into debunking where you can. So <laughs> they're positing it's because people are seeking a social connection and that they're interpreting cues or things that they're experiencing as some entity and yeah. that it, but again, I don't know, right. um, but I think you're right about this whole realignment of our values, 
mass exodus of jobs and, you know, rethinking careers, rethinking relationships, rethinking all sorts of things. But I think if you're, as you are a sensitive human being, you would be the person who would take this time to reflect. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a whiplash feeling. It's Mm -hmm. a very like, whoa, I did not connect that. I call them aha moments. Oh, ah, okay. That makes sense. (laughs) Now give me a little sense of a whiplash that you would feel comfortable sharing. moments where I will be in a different city and I may be walking down the street or going to visit a museum or in the hotel and I you know kind of think before I I said that you know I didn't have experiences when I travel but now I'm having an aha moment there have been now I'm thinking about it I will have moments from like oh wait what city am I in because it's almost like, you know, I was in Chicago a few years ago and I'm walking around. And for some reason I had this overwhelming feeling again, like, oh, am I in DC? Am I walking around DC? This looks like DC, but this isn't, this this is Chicago. And I remember walking past a couple of people and when I walk, I make eye contact with people. It's more of a street smart protection thing of like, yeah, right. I see, yeah, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I remember walking past a group of people and I made eye contact with three of them. And it felt like I knew them, but I didn't. I knew logically I didn't know them, but it was a very one passed me, another passed me, and another passed me. And I made, I knew them. And I had to go back to the hotel because I, I just felt like a wave of exhaustion fell on top of me. It wasn't scary, but it was very, why am I connect of all these people I'm walking by? Why am I pulled towards these individuals? And it happens, you know, during travel. So yeah, that would be an aha moment, a, a definitely a whiplash moment too. Well, you said earlier too, that you'll be drawn to somebody for some unknown reason. Yes. How would you describe kind of how that feels? And have you ever followed up? Is there something that they are needing comfort for that you're sensing in them? That's a great question. say almost every time I want to go up to them and say, do I know you from somewhere? I have such a, it's almost like a wall that prevents me from doing it. I feel like I am not allowed to. I, it's almost like this sacred, I need to respect their space. I'm not going to cross over into it, but I've never interacted with somebody that I've, I've done that with. So Do you think whatever is protecting you 
mm -hmm. or whatever has been there in those moments where you feel protected is actually alerting you to be careful around this person for some reason that maybe you need boundaries with this person. It could be, and it could also be the nervous system overfiring oh. for no reason. You know, okay. it can go in so many different directions. Mm. But what's really interesting is that I can't remember an experience where any of these individuals who have caught my attention, they don't resemble anyone else I know. They don't resemble a family member or a friend. They don't resemble anyone that I've known that has passed away. You know, my lead in line is, hey, don't I know you from somewhere would just be like a, a social grace of not being creepy of like, hey, <laughs> I need right. to know your story. Kind of right, thing. right. It's fascinating. I don't know. Yeah. And it's it's adults. It's always adults. I have but little little kids always seem to gravitate towards me. Mm -hmm. My son says it's because I'm the size of a little kid too, but he just makes fun <laughs> of me because I'm short, Aww. but I always, um, little kids will always wave at me or walk mm -hmm. right up to me. They'll hug me on the leg. Like it's always a very, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. They're just super comfortable. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always adults, always like middle-aged, never anyone elderly, it's men and women. That's pretty much the only like mm -hmm. funneling down I can do of, of that experience kind yeah. of group set. So I'll give you a reframing is that you're not short. You're just very well grounded. <laughs> As a person <laughs> who is short, I can share that with you. <laughs> I think I shared with you just before we started talking on the podcast that when I first met you, and I, and you know how many people we all meet in yes. day in, day out, I have always remembered that moment of meeting you. So I'm also feeling as if there's something very positive that you exude that draws people to you. And I've heard people being called super sensitive personalities. Yes, yes. So one of the things that I've noticed is I've gotten to be much better about trusting my instincts about toxic people and toxic situations. Awesome. Yeah. Because, and, and I don't know if you have like something that a little barometer or something that. Oh, yes. Yes. I think we have to be just as tuned into that. Mm -hmm. as we are on the other side it's a very dramatic pendulum there is no in between for me at yeah. least yeah and it's it's a dance it's definitely a dance and the fact that you have experienced whatever that presence has been on and off in your life over your life mm -hmm. as protective that's interesting so so you were saying you kind of missed it now and <laughs> you were kind of wondering can i bring it back do i have that ability without it having to come when you need it. But right. <laughs> yeah. have you ever tried to just put out an intention towards whatever it is and to thank it and to welcome it if it wants to be there, but to be there when things are good and not only when things are bad? I have not. That's really interesting. I, 
boy, I don't know. I immediately feel an apprehension in my stomach because okay. it's almost like, I don't want to rock the boat. Like, what if it'll never come back? But then it's also, I love the positive aspect of putting a positive intention out there and, and thanking it. I almost feel like too, it would be like, oh, well, if I, you know, do that, then it takes it out of me. And it's not just me anymore, if that makes sense, even though I'm doing a podcast, but that's totally counterintuitive. But <laughs> but you want to internalize that feeling yeah. of being yeah. safe and protected. Yeah. I mean, it's been part of my body for, you know, since I was five, six years old, it's been part of my consciousness. It's been, mm -hmm. you know, really, you know, the saying, you know, like my left arm kind of thing. So I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I would love, I think, I think if there was a time to introduce that, I think this would be a fabulous time because my family is happy and healthy and safe. And I think the Midwest is just great for this kind of discussion. And there's just so much history and so many connections and you can run into other people who are like, Ooh, I know what you're talking about kind of thing. So I, I, we may have to do a part two of the podcast. We absolutely can. <laughs> well, and it's, it's so funny because, you know, you heard the first podcast where I talked about my closet mm -hmm. and for whatever reason, I, cause you know, people have said, well, you know, what if it's something negative? And I said, I don't feel like it is. I feel like it's right. there to reassure me in some way, but I would go a couple months and nothing. And I kind of missed it. And yeah. So I would walk by the door and just say, you know, you're welcome to come back. You know, you don't have to leave as long as you're here for something positive. And what was so funny is I said that one night, I said to my husband, you know, I kind of miss my closet. And <laughs> that night in the middle of the night, the door opened. Is that crazy? I mean, is that crazy? And I say to my husband, you're not gaslighting me, are you? You know, did you open that door just to, you know? And he goes, no. And I, he said, I have no idea what's going on with that door. And he's tried the door too. It's got a latch on the bottom. So it clicks in. The right. cat can't pull it out. My brother said, get a camera, you know, motion activated camera. So I got one. Right. And it never picks up when the door opens but I've gotten these really weird light anomalies, which I'm always really? trying to debunk, but I got a really weird one once where it came from under the front door and it moved towards the camera and then it turned left sharp and went under the closet door. And that was like, oh, that's just really weird and creepy. But then my brother decided for my present for my birthday this year, he sent me a Ouija board of all things. And I, and I, I said, I don't really know if I want to do that. I remember being told when I was a little girl at church camp right. that, that that can bring in negative entities and to be really careful. And as a kid, I saw the exorcist and that yeah. all started, you know, <laughs> Linda Blair's head and slippy soup all started with a... <laughs> So I've set it on a table and, and then I told my brother 
what my reservations were about it. So he said, well, there's a site that I found that tells you how to do it safely. And I said, well, I better read that before I even open the box. But I found myself missing my door opening because it was like reassuring. Did you ever use the Ouija board? I haven't yet. When I was a little girl, I remember being with some friends and somebody had a Ouija board, but we always felt like nothing ever happened. Okay. And we were probably asking, you know, like, oh, does so-and-so <laughs> like you? Right. Um, yeah. I'm sure that we did something like that. Or if it did move, we accused each other of moving it. So. Have you had any other kinds of experiences that you couldn't really quite explain? There have been multiple times, uh, anytime I see black crows, something alerts me that, you know, quote unquote, something alerts me to go the opposite direction of where the, the black crows are. This could be OCD, this, I don't know, but I have always been attuned to, if I see black crows, go the other direction. Black crows are tied for me to my friend who was killed in high school. One of his favorite films was The Crow. And so after he passed away, Black Crows kept popping up everywhere. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe that's, you know, it's comforting, it's cool. But there have been times where I have turned the car around and then it ends up that I ended up avoiding a car wreck. Wow. Like I heard a crash Mm -hmm. after I, went the other direction. Mm-hmm. I have been walking on the sidewalk before and I go another direction and someone had been following me. I saw a crow went the other, cut the mm-hmm. other way. But yeah, the black, black crows are a signal to me to get out of wherever I am, which is, again, another comforting thing for me. And interesting that you have that association with your friend about crows. The part of me that is more on the spiritual side wonders, is your friend reaching out to warn you to keep you safe or to alert you? Yeah, I would like to think so. But then on the other end of that is that doesn't explain the years leading up to when, you know, we, we lost him. So it's very, I don't know, maybe he took over for someone who knows, Yeah, yeah. but that's the part that I find endearing in a way mm-hmm. and very unique it's unique to me mm-hmm. and that feels good that can yeah. feel really really good sometimes yeah so yeah well you had said something before we started recording tonight about the role of talking and how important that is for you and i'm just wondering I think you know me well enough to know that my intention is to make this a safe, sacred place, that there's no judgment, there's just inquisitiveness, (laughs) and we've got all these other kinds of connections that you never know you have with people. I'm just wondering, do you feel like talking about this, is this something that you think is beneficial or useful for having this kind of a topic? Oh, absolutely. I feel 
lighter now talking with you about my experiences because it feels like a very casual conversation. There isn't a need to dive into recording for data or let's pull a research journal on this. It's very fluid, which I think also encourages teasing out other things that have happened in the past that we forget about or we may not have connected. So yeah, it's definitely wonderful talking about it. I think it's great for others to hear about it and to feel comfortable about sharing their own experiences or to at least know that they aren't alone and also to know how unique it is and that it is a special thing. You know, I, I wasn't raised with any religious background or spiritual background. So I never had the concept of, oh, this is someone I was praying to, or this is something I learned in church. I did not have that toolbox. So there's no way I could have made that connection. And that's another thing that I look at of it's happening for some reason. Don't know why. I'm all about just throw it on the table and let's see where stuff ends up. So I'm not going to ask you to pull any citations, but I, <laughs> I will ask you a qualitative research question. Okay. <laughs> so as you think about just this conversation we've had tonight and the stories that, that have kind of unfolded over the years for you, is there a theme? Is there a thread that you can pull through? I would say the first word actually that comes up is tenacity. I would also say spirituality. And in a weird way, faith. Even though I don't have a conventional application for that, knowing that I have that presence that will come to me when I need it. Maybe that's my definition of faith. I don't know. I don't know. But it's pretty amazing to think about. And right? I think to the fact that you see it as something special and not something to be afraid of. Oh, no, no, yeah. Yeah. no. Because there's so many other things to be afraid of. <laughs> right? But I would be afraid if I had those feelings of fear and the adrenaline and the physiological reactions to fear. We all know what that, that is. I've never had that. So I don't have a reason to be afraid. And it's almost like the sympathetic and the parasympathetic things that you're dealing with. It doesn't set all those off. It provides some peace. Yes. Peace to knowing that yes, this makes sense. Mm -hmm. This is how we got here. This is how it may have all started. But overall, it is what it is. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You have to find peace with that. And sometimes it's okay not to go into full research mode and just, just be. And that's sometimes the most comforting thing, I think, if I could take anything out of this. So if you're thinking about the people who are listening to the podcast, and again, 
my sense is that a lot of people have had experiences. What would you want them to know based on your own experience? Any wisdom or advice or recommendations you could share with them? I would say if you feel like you've had any experiences and others have not either believed you or have brushed it off or have told you, oh, you're too sensitive, you're oversensitive, take a step back from that if you can, because you're feeling something obviously for a reason and on your own time, explore it. But you, I believe, won't really find any answers until you're ready to find the answers. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it might be a couple of years from now. It took me, what, 20, oh God, now I'm doing the math, 33 years. <laughs> and, and, and that's okay. If I had been trying to do this type of reflection work and uh, everything that's been going on and just having this conversation even five years ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I wouldn't be able to because I wouldn't have the tools. I wouldn't have the wherewithal to be comfortable with talking about this. So go with your own time, go with your own safety, whatever you feel safe with. Very wise. And you're ahead of me in this game because it took me a <laughs> lot, it maybe doubled that and it took me a little longer. <laughs> well, Jody. You are just delightful to talk to, and I'm okay. so glad we reconnected. I and I would love a part two or a part three or a part four. So anytime, <laughs> anytime. I am uh, so excited to hear the other podcasts coming up. And yes, you let me know, and I will be here. Thank you for listening to Spirited Conversations. Please like and follow Spirited Conversations on Facebook at Terry Kennedy 1111, T-E-R-I-K-E-N-N-E-D-Y 1111. If you have a personal story to share, please message me with a brief description of your experience, your first name, and email address. Sleep tight. Ooh.